Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. Welcome to I Am Angela podcast, where we incorporate the word with our daily lives. I hope everyone is doing wonderful today. It is a rainy day where we are. Um, I hope that everyone had a blessed week this week. I want to welcome in my co-host, the lovely Minister Diane. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Good afternoon. I am fine. I've managed to wade through all the water this week (laughs) because we had a plenty of rain. Yes. And where I live, the water, it does not evaporate quickly. So it's almost needing a lifeboat. But I thank God I made it through. (laughs) There you go. There you go. It has been. It has rained quite a bit. I think we've gotten more of the lightning and the thundering than anything else. Um, It has rained a lot. It was raining this morning. So I guess it's that time, you know, everything needs to be watered. (laughs) So we just have to go with the flow. We have to go with the flow. I know that there was some that lost power, um, you know, some days because of the lightning. But yeah. um, thank God it has a, you know, it's not major as it could be. Not as right. major as it could be. So here we are today and we have a very, very, um, I think, exciting podcast. I'm excited about it. I look forward to learning, you know, everything that I possibly can. And I think the thing about um, learning about your heritage and whatnot has been really put in the forefront and made us realize, I think, throughout the last few years, um, because of all the racial tensions and things that happen throughout the country, um, that we may not know all the things that we need to know about. And so because we have an upcoming holiday, Juneteenth, um, that a lot of people, you know, it seems to be more prominent now that a lot of people talk about it. But right. I could say years ago, it wasn't something I really knew about. I didn't know about it until a radio station invited me to come to an event um, in Warrington, North Carolina. And that was the first time I ever heard about Juneteenth. And, um, and, and I was already, I guess, in my early 40s. So, you know, that is too long to not know about something when it concerns your heritage. So I want to, we're going to talk about today, Juneteenth. We're going to give some information and some history about it. And we're going to talk about what happened then and what God says about these things, okay? So I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna give you um, some history that I looked up um, and found. So Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration honoring the end of slavery in the United States. And it is June the 19th. That's where Juneteenth comes from. On June 19th, 1865, Union General Gordon Granger led thousands of federal troops to Galveston, Texas, to announce that the Civil War had ended and slaves had been freed. Approximately 250,000 Texan slaves had no idea that their freedom had been secured by the government. So here are nine facts about the historical moment and what led up to it, okay? You may recall Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation from elementary social studies, okay, class. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. always talked about the Emancipation Procl- Procl- 
proclamation. So we can say that we've heard that. We, we know about that because that was taught in school. In the condensed version, many learned that this executive order meant immediate freedom for slaves throughout the nation. However, since the country was in the midst of the Civil War, those states that had seceded from the Union did not adhere to the proclamation, and slaves in those states remained unfree. So even though proclamation had went forth, there was some that did not adhere to it, did not even agree with it, did, did not even tell the slaves about it. So they were still working as slaves, even though they had been free. Though right. much of the language in the Emancipation Proclamation suggests otherwise, Lincoln's primary objective was not to ameliorate the lives of those in bondage. Rather, his intent was preserving the union. So, so you know, a lot of times they say, well, you know, um, and, and I don't take anything from it, but they say, well, you know, um, Lincoln, you know, he ended slavery. Well, you would think when you hear that, that he ended slavery because it was wrong. But what he ended it for was to preserve the Union, okay? In August of 1862, Horace Greeley, the editor of the New York Tribune, published an editorial address to Lincoln, pressuring his stance on slavery and urging him to abolish it. Lincoln responded in an open letter to Greeley, published in the Tribune the same August. And it stated, my paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union. And it is neither, it and is not either to save or destroy slavery. Lincoln wrote, What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps to save the Union. Okay? Lincoln and the Union Army used slavery as a political motive to justify strengthened military endeavor against the Confederacy. Black soldiers were able to fight for the Union when Lincoln passed the proclamation. So before that, black soldiers were not able to fight for the Union. So he passed it so that black soldiers could fight for the Union, okay? Though they faced discrimination and often performed menial roles because of presumed incompetence, they increased, they increased the Union army in size. So their thing was to end the slavery so that black men could fight in the Union against others, which they, which helped them grow a bigger army, okay? The Civil War ended in April of 1865. In June of that year, General Gordon Granger and his troops traveled to Galveston, Texas to announce General Orders Number 3, it stated, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. Throughout the war, Texas was not as closely monitored as other battle states. For this reason, many slave owners went to Texas with their slaves, with this relatively negligible union presence. Slavery continued there for much longer. After the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect, slaves in war-torn states often escaped behind union lines or fought on its behalf. So Gaveston, I think it was um, two more years. They had two more years where they kept slavery going, even when slavery had been abolished. They That's did not sad. tell the slaves. Nobody sent letters and said, you better release them. Nobody did anything. 
even it was said that slave owners would move to Texas until after a set the um, harvest season so that they could get all of their work done before anybody found out that there was nothing that slavery was still happening in Texas, okay? It says, um, the slaves who got the news were jubilant to hear of their freedom on Juneteenth. In the book, Lone Star Pass, Memory and History in Texas, Felix Haywood, a former slave who gave a testimony about Juneteenth as part of a New Deal project, recalled, the end of the war, it comes just like that. Like you snap your fingers, hallelujah broke out. Soldiers all of a sudden were everywhere, coming in bunches, crossing, walking, riding. Everyone was singing. We was all walking on golden clouds. Everybody went wild. We were free. Just like that, we were free. So they had been free years before, but had right. no clue that they had already been free. Freedom did not come at the snap of, snap of a finger for everyone in Texas. It says some people who should have been free continue to work through the harvest season because their masters withheld this announcement to reap more wages out of their slaves. This left many former slaves treated as though they were still in bondage. In Lone Star Pass, Susan Merritt reported, lots of Negroes were killed after freedom, bushwhacked, shot down while they were trying to get away. You can see lots of Negroes hanging from the trees and Sabbath bottom right after freedom. In, 19, in 1870s, a group of former slaves pulled $800 together through a local church to purchase 10 acres of land and create Emancipation Park to host future Juneteenth celebrations in modern-day Houston. In 1980, Emancipation Day in Texas became a legal state holiday in recognition of Juneteenth. However, state offices do not completely close, and it is considered a partial staffing holiday. Elsewhere, the holiday is also referred to as Emancipation Day, Freedom Day, and Black Independence Day. Just hearing that, um, it speaks to me about bondage. It's all about bondage. It's all, it's slavery. Slavery Control. to slavery. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just control. Uh, just just thinking about that. But what I want to say, even before we go in, um, Diane, and talk about, you know, how Satan does the same thing. I want to say how important it is for people to know their history, for people to know where they come from, for people to know where they live, for people to know the background of the country they live in, of the states they live in, of the cities they live in. It is very important that we know where we come from in order to know where we are and how we go forth and who we're dealing with and why we're dealing with them in the ways that we have to deal with them, okay? So, um, Diane, let's talk yes. about a little bit about John 10, 10. Yes, John 10, 10, I want to read that um, before I uh, talk about it. Uh, John 10, 10 says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Yeah. Okay, we all know the thief is Satan. Uh-huh. That's the thief. And the thief is uh, for destruction. And his plan is to kill you. Yes. 
and steal from you your life, your control, your mind, your heart, and your soul. That's his job. He don't want you to depend on God. He don't want you to walk away from him and turn your life over to God. Because we know Jesus gives life. And life Jesus gives now is more abundant, abundant and fuller. That's right. And see, Satan, Satan wants you to think he got the better plan for you. Yeah. He's going to make things look so attractive to you. And he's going to use whatever he needs in order for you to come over or stay with him. Yeah. The life that Jesus gives us is eternal. Yeah. Yet it begins, it begins immediately as soon as you repent. And and um, when you confess your sins, starting in Romans 10 and 9, mm-hmm. it starts then. When you let God know that he is going to be the head of your life and that you are confessing all your sins and asking for forgiveness, that's when life starts for you. Yeah. Yeah. Life with Christ is on a higher ground because of his overflowing forgiveness, love, and guidance for you. And see, Satan don't want that for you. Satan wants you to forever trust him so he can just use you the way he wants to use you. And, you know, we all know when you trust Satan, you're doing stuff out of the ordinary, you're doing things you're not supposed to do, and you're definitely doing things that's not pleasing to God. That's right, that's right. Yeah. You know, when I think about it, I think I I stick right there on bondage, between control and bondage. Right. And that control, you know, that type of control that don't want to see you succeed, that type of of control that doesn't want to see you um, go beyond um, have the greater things in life. Um, Right. There's a control that wants to keep you in one spot that you will not grow. You will not, um, you're not, you won't evolve. You won't go from one place to the other. You won't go from glory to glory. You won't, you'll just stay in a circle, in a, in a ball, in a bubble to where you can't do anything but what that control wants you to do. And sin is control. Sin controls you. It controls you in a small place. It keeps you in a small mindset. It keeps you thinking beneath what's normal. You know, sin, sin has that way of making you think that you're wrong in everything that you do, you know, that controlling spirit that comes to keep you. And, you know, when we think about slavery, being controlling, being confined to an area, you can't go out. Sin is that slavery. We, we, either you are slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ, you know? So you've got to choose which one you're going to be slave, slave to. Right. Who are you going to be in bondage to? I'd much rather be in bondage to the one that wants the best for me. I'd much rather hold on to and be in a small, confined area to the one that's going to groom me and grow me no matter right. what, you know? So we have to make sure that we're choosing 
Which one are we going to be bound to? Which one are you going to be bound to? Too many. I've been bound to sin, you know. I've been bound to doing things that I shouldn't have done or whatnot. But when you know better, you're supposed to do better. You're supposed to work at doing better if you haven't even gone, you know, all the way in. We We must choose. There's a slavery to the physical man. There's a slavery to the mental mind of a man. There's a slavery to the spirit of a man. There is slavery. And you've yes. got to make sure that you're choosing which direction you yes. want to go in. Which direction you want to go in. Um, yes. Galatians. Galatians. And, uh-huh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, if you think about it, that slavery... And in a sense, that's the thief. Yes, that's going to steal. Because he's is stealing your freedom. That's, that's right. The that's right. That's very true. That's very true. And when he steals your freedom, I mean, just just imagine that he doesn't right. stole freedom. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. When I think about that, a lot of times, since I was a smoker previously, I would think about, there used to be this commercial that would come on TV, and it would be, the man would be at a basketball game watching his son play basketball, and all of a sudden he'd get the urge to smoke. And there would be like this chain pulling him outside, you know, pulling him outside to smoke. He couldn't, and while he was out there smoking, his son hit a goal or something. And so it's like this thing, that's what sin does. That's what that, when you are bound to it, when you're bound to it, and when it pulls at you and pulls at you, it locks you in. It locks you in. You can't do nothing. You ain't in control. You think you in control, but you're not in control. You ain't control of that thing that's got you bound. That's what you ain't control. You you're not in control of nothing. You in control of what? It, it has control over you. Right. That's the, that's the horrible part, you know. But we say that we are, you know, we just want Christ. We 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 are just bound to Him. That's different. That's totally different. You want what is best for you. You don't know that these things are best for you, but what he has is greater than anything Amen. you could ever possibly imagine. Anything. So, you know, we have to be, when you think about it, when you think about your life today, I want you to think about whether you are bound to sin or whether you are bound to Christ. Which Amen. one are you bound to? Who has you in slavery? Who has you in slavery? What has you in slavery? What are you enslaved to? Are you enslaved to alcohol? Are you enslaved to drugs? Are you enslaved to pornography? Are you enslaved to work? Are you enslaved to, because we can be enslaved to work too. Work is good because work pays the bills, but you can be so enslaved to work to where you miss everything else. You miss the things of God. You miss what God is telling you to do. You miss going to church. You miss sitting in on a service. You miss all of it because you work. You're mm-hmm. bound to your job. You're mm-hmm. bound to work. And so we have to just give thought to that today. Give thought Amen. to that today. Slavery. Nobody wants to be in slavery. So Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Neither slave nor free. A point of contention among the opponents of Christianity is that the New Testament authors said little to denounce slavery in their writing. But this statement by Paul provides the underpinning for ultimate emancipation, bond servanthood, not quite the same as race-based chattel slavery or American history. 
was a was a way of life in the contemporary class system of the ancient world, a system that would be replaced along with feudalism and other forms of classism. It was Christ and his teaching that would undermine all systems intrinsic inequality. Even then, the master was to realize that his servant was his equal in the eyes of God, a radical idea for the world at that time. It's a radical idea for the world right now to realize right. that we are all equal. Nobody is higher than the other one. Nobody is lower than the other one. No, nobody is, um, nobody, you know, when we go into the job, of course you got a supervisor. There has to be order, you know. God is God of order. There has to be order in everything in order for it to move forward, in order for it to grow and prosper. There has to be order. So you have to set someone in charge that knows enough to know how to disperse everything that needs to happen. But in the world, when we look at each other, when we come into contact with each other at the grocery store, you're no better than I am. We're here doing the same thing. We're shopping for our groceries and we're going to have to pay for it. When we go to, um, when we go on vacation, everybody's paying for their own vacation. Everybody's doing the very same thing. Nobody's doing anything differently. We are the same human beings. As they say, when, when we cut, we bleed the same kind of blood. It ain't Amen. no black blood and it ain't no white blood. It ain't no Asian blood and it ain't no Chinese blood. It's blood. And so nobody is more than the other. And God does not see us, you know. He's no respect of men. He he does not see us in, oh, this is my, this is my, this is my pastor. So my pastor is more important than the one sitting on the pew. No, the pastor is a servant. You know, the pastor is a servant. The ministers are servants. The 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 uh, praise team is servants. Everybody is serving one another. Everybody is given to one another. The person sitting on the pew is serving those that are speaking to them because you're giving of your time. You're giving of your mindset. You're giving up all of yourself in order for them to pour into you. So everybody is serving one another. There's no one that is more or less than the other. You have people out in the world, you know, a lot of times when you work for different people, when you work for different people, some people, I've heard men, I've never heard women really talk about that. Excuse me. But I've heard men talk about how they could be on the job and other men could talk to them really disrespectful. And that should not be because of the placeable fact no man, no man is better than the other one. No one sits higher than the other one. God doesn't look at no one to be higher or more important than the one sitting next to him. So that's something that we all should be mindful of. You pass the homeless man. You're no better than he is. He just, something has happened in his life that has not happened in yours. Right. That's the only difference. You know, when you pass the prostitute, She's on the street. It may shock you what she's wearing, but you know better than she is. It's just that you got more than she got. You got a more of a mindset. Something happened along the way for her that didn't happen for you. That's why I'm always, thank you, Lord, for what could have been. You know, yes. we could have been a whole lot of things that we're not. We could be living in a whole lot of different ways that we're not. So we should all be mindful, mindful that you're yeah. no brighter. You know better than anyone else. And God, right. thank God, he doesn't put us in, you know, put labels on us to make us feel like we're less than. We're less right. Than. So Diane, um, Romans 12 too. When we look at that, what do we get? When we look at that, we're thinking about becoming 
uh, into the perfect will of God. I want to read Romans 12 and 2. And he, and I'm sorry, and be not conformed to this world, but ye, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our minds have to be transformed. Mm -hmm. Even though as Christians, we are no longer or want to be no longer uh, conformed to the things of the world with the behavior and the corruption in the world today. Becoming closer with God will want you to transform your mind because you're now looking to please him. Right. And in order to please him, we have to do some changing. Yes. And when becoming a Christian, choices are made not to carry out worldly behavior. Mm-hmm. Because now you are like, okay, I am no longer a bondage, have a bondage to the world. Yes. I'm breaking free. Yes. Yes. I'm becoming more each day like Christ. That's right. As I pray and ask God to decrease me, I want to become more like him. So our choices not to conform to this world values must go deeper than the level of our behavior. It must be planted firmly in our minds to be transformed. And the renewing of our mind comes with reading more of God's word. Yeah. Because as you read his word, you will change. You will be more conformed to him Mm -hmm. than you are the world. And the things of the world will become more unsatisfactory to you. You will begin to see more corruption, more things that you probably at one time did yourself but now that you know God you know that's not of God anymore so you want to become more like him you want to redirect your mind you want to renew your mind renew your heart and renew your soul so in order to do that we got to transform more to God reading his word and praying you know a lot of times you know, people that are not saved or people that have not given their life over to Christ, they think that it's so difficult to do that. It's so difficult to do that. But what it requires, you know, it's just like us growing up. It's just like going from a baby to a toddler, learning to walk, you know. It's just learning to do anything. You right. have to transform your mind. Even a baby has to transform their mind from crawling to walking. You know, you at some point you want to get up. At some yes. point you want to come up out of where you are. You know, I watched my little um, cousin True. She is trying to stand up now. You know, and so she would grab the end of the chair and she get all the way up. She stand up and she stand there steady as she can and she fall back down. But you know, that is transforming the mind. You may not get it right the first time. But if you keep on doing it, if you keep on reading the word, if you keep on listening to what God says about you instead of what man says about you. When I think about 
this Juneteenth, when I think about all of that, there's so much of it that is still beating everybody over the head. Right. Even though the Emancipation Proclamation passed, that the spirits still roam that was before that time, that spirit still roams along our country, along the nation, because of the fact that there is those strongholds and there's those curses that are right. moving generation to generation, going from generation. And so in, until someone in those generations says, you know what, enough of this, it, it stops here, which I truly believe is gonna come in the generations to come. They yes. they seek truth, they seek honesty. There'll always be evil lurking, always yes. be evil lurking. But we must understand that in order for us to deal with what has been, in order for us to deal with it in a new way, because the old way definitely hasn't been working because we nothing has changed. So in order for us to do that, we must transform our minds. And the right. only way to transform your mind is through truth. And the only yes. way to do it through truth is knowing the word of God. We have to know who we are in him, who he says we are. We have mm -hmm. to not only know it, we have to believe it. And right. so transforming takes a period of time because you don't go from not knowing it to knowing it in a day. It takes yes. transformation. It takes you working it. It takes you working on your mind and working on the things that come out of your mouth. It takes a work. So transformation, being the, be transformed, you know, by the renewing of your mind, you're going to be transformed, but you got to yes. renew your mind. You got to yes. renew your mind. You can't transform and still say the same things, do the same things, be the same person. You can't. You got to yes. renew your mind. If you are... If you failed in an area and um, now you're coming back to that same place and you will, many times I have failed, that if you go through something, you fail at it, that thing gonna come back around and you gonna see it again. So when you fail at it, you take, I always say that failure, I used to say, oh, we failed at that and we failed at that. No, 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 I was trained in that area. When it didn't work, I realized that didn't work. So it mm -hmm. made me go look for what did work. So you're trained. So when you go through any kind of failures or any kind of fall, you know, fallouts, fall downs, whatever, when you go through those things, use those things to transform your old way of thinking. Yes. Thinking that yes. doesn't you anywhere, you know. So that transformation, I love that scripture. I love that scripture because yeah. we all know that we can't go anywhere in Christ. We don't transform those words. Yes. Mm -hmm. You also have to have patience yeah. because like it's not going to happen in one one day. No. So you have to have patience and allow God to transform that heart. That's right. That heart has got to melt. Yes. <laughs> if, if that heart is wrapped in stone, Ooh. you have got to let God chisel away at yes. that stone heart. Yes. And once yes. God chisel away at that stony heart, your heart will begin to talk to that mind. Yes. And that <laughs> mind will start transforming. Well. But the main thing is that heart. That heart. But that heart that's, where the, that's where the feelings come from. It's an amazing vessel, you know? It pumps blood. It does all sorts of stuff. It causes us to love. It causes us to hate. It causes us to do all sorts of things. It's a working instrument in our body, but it is definitely something that has to be changed. 
changed. It has to be changed. God has to massage that thing and get all of that hard crust off of it from past things that you dealt with. He got to do all that. And even in this, even in dealing with the things of Juneteenth, even in finding out about history, about your, you know, where you come from and, you know, where your generations, about finding out your heart has to be trans, you know, you have to be transformed. Your heart has to be massaged because there are some things that has happened that allows some of us, no matter what your color is, to also be racist, to also right. treat people wrong, to also right. look down on other people. It don't matter the color. It don't matter what color you are. You can be wrong. You can be racist. You can be hurtful and harmful. You can look down on people. That has nothing to do with color. That has nothing to do with color. That has everything to do with human beings. And whether you're living for the world or whether you're living for Christ. And it does not mean that every person living in the world is an evil person. No, that that's not what I'm saying. What right. I'm saying is that individuals, human beings, all have a tendency and color is not a, not a priority color nor gender so when we talk about genesis 127 it says so god created man in his own image in the image of god created he male and female created he them it says nor is there male and female christ's work is is a work of restoration what were males and females before the fall of man into sin and before the battle of the sexes waged in sin in Genesis 3.16, they were different by anatomy, nature, and role, but never by value. The husband in the kingdom of God is the head of his wife, just as in the fallen world, even more so in his in this feminist age. And just as, just as it is, you know, just as it was in the Bible, you know, in the Garden of Eden, men are still men and women are still women. Neither is better than the other. Depending on the spirit of age, one usually dominates. You know, sometimes you can say, you know, listen to your elders or your elders, you know, they have wisdom. You know, listen to those that have been before you because they know better. We're talking about stuff like that. Not that they're better because they are this or they are higher because they are this. It says that they are equal they are equal. It says that the way they dominate in the world, it should not be so. It is not in the kingdom of God. Not in the kingdom of God. So even when you're looking at men, men and men and women, you know, men should not treat women, you know, like they are less than. Men should right. not treat women like they are nobody. Men, you know, we look out into the world, they're always complaining about, you know, women don't get paid what men do. I could say that for myself. I work in I work in a male-dominated industry, the trucking industry. And a lot of times I could call and I could say one thing comes to mind. I was calling one time about a load um, for a truck. And I was talking to this new broker. And so I was telling him, he was asking me, you know, what's your name? What's your MT number? Whatnot. And I was telling him and he was going through, we had not set up with him. So we were going through the drill and he was giving me a whole lot more flat, you know about the load. But then Daryl said, my husband said in the background, ask him, is John there? Okay. And I said, is John there? And he said, yeah, John's here. And I said, um, and Daryl said, let me speak to him. So Daryl was talking to him and he, all of a sudden he said, well, why didn't she just say she was your wife? 
Really? Well, why did I have to say I was his wife? You know, that was my thing. Why did I have to tell you if I'm calling you to give you a service that you need, why do I have to tell you that I'm somebody's wife in order to get that service done? You know, so that's what I'm saying. If we are offering the same thing, if we are doing the same thing, there should not be, but there are differences in the world. But what we're talking about is in the kingdom. God said there is no difference. Yes, you want the male. If there is to be a male in the household, yes, that male should be covering that household. He should be working in the household. He should make sure everything is in order. And I'm a strong believer. Yeah, there's a male role in my house and there's a female role in my house. I do not go against that. It is just something I have believed in. Others may not believe in it. That's your thing. But my thing is that I don't like working outside. My husband does that. I don't like going outside. <laughs> I don't like going no grass. I, I know like that's that. right. My husband does that. Right. I, my son does that. I don't do that. But we all, and some will probably say, no, wait a minute, that's a little off track. We all keep the house. But we, me and my daughter, we do the major housework. They may pick up after themselves or, you know, what whatnot. But yeah. all in all, in the house, we got that covered. But they cover the outside. So I do believe that there's a difference. I do believe, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being a woman whose husband takes care of things. I'm okay with that. I love that. So, you know, but there's many. It shouldn't be to where you're made to feel like you're unworthy or you're not um, worth anything. You're less than because there's a male and there's a female. God says there's no difference in the two. Okay, Diane. Um, John 15, 15. That's another one we talked about. Yes, John 15, 15 says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what he what Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. He's saying that he, first of all, we I guess thinking of, of him as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our master, we want to be his servant. Yeah. So therefore, you know, we don't see a thing wrong with him calling us his servant. But he's saying that he, because he loves us so much, he's laid down his life for us. Right. And he don't want us to be like a servant. He want us, we are his friends. And um, I think I wrote, going back to verse 12, it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Yeah. And then uh, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He's saying, you are my friend. If you do, if you do what I command, I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know what's, uh, what his master's business is. So he's saying, I'm no longer call you my friend because I, I, I'm sharing things with you. Yeah. I'm sharing what God taught me. Yeah. So, you know, he, Jesus made all he knows through the word 
And all we have to do is read the Bible. The more we read the Bible, the more we read his word, the closer we become to him. And it's just like having a regular friend. The more you know that person, when you meet someone, and the more you get to know that person, uh, the closer you come, uh, you may start talking to each other on the phone or meeting up for lunch or something like that then you consider yourself friends. Well, the more you get to know Christ, the more you read his word, the more you talk to him, the more you just love on him. Yeah. He's considering you now his friend. Yeah. And now with, um, you know, he says, henceforth I call you not servants. For the right. servant knoweth not what his Lord is doing. So he's right. saying, I don't call you a servant because you don't know what I'm doing. But when I, but I don't call you servant because you know what I'm doing. Right. I'm making it right. known to you. Everything that the Lord says, I'm making it known to you. You know all about. That's what this good book is about. That's what the right. Bible is about. I am made sure that you know everything that you need to know. So you're my friend. You know, we can go into our job sometime and some people don't want you to know what they know because they're afraid you're going to get further than they yes. get. But it, but Christ is saying here, I have no problems with that. I, I need you to know what I know because we're building a kingdom here. We don't have to be separated. We don't have to have, you know, five over here that know more than the other right. 50 over here. And we don't need that. What we need a person hired to do is a place, order, and structure. Yes. Not to know more to make themselves feel inferior. That's what we're talking about in slavery. Now, slavery could have been something different if they weren't demeaned, if they weren't beat. If they, it would have been just like a regular job. Do you want to come and work in this, you know, work for me? You know, it's not that I'm hiding something from you. Texas didn't have to hide the fact that the proclamation had gone forth and these men and women were free. You know, all they had to do was let them know they were free and give them the opportunity to say, do you want to stay here a little bit longer? Do you want to stay here for this wage? Or do you want to stay right. here? But whenever you decide that I am better, I am in control, I am doing things my way, you are beneath me. You don't deserve you are supposed to be down there and I'm supposed to be up here. You you are totally not working out of the kingdom. You're working out of the world and your fleshly yes. desires, you know. So here we are. He's saying, no, I don't hide seek, I don't hide things from you. You can know whatever I know. You know, yes. you can know everything. I need you to know that. I need you to know which way to go in. I need you to know which direction to take. I need you to know what God wants from you so that you will be able to succeed. I did not die in the, on the cross for no reason. I did not take the sins of the world. I did not take the sicknesses of the world, but you got to know how to go forth once yes. I am pinned on the cross. So he's saying, you've got to know how. And so therefore there's no separation between them. There's no separation in things of knowledge. There's no separation in whether you're man or woman. There's no separation in whether you're big or tall, black or white, none of that. Right. We are all one. And we, you are my friend. You are my friend. And I share with you. I give you the knowledge that I have. So this is, you know, this is amazing. I think this is something that we should all think about next weekend. <clears throat> Talking about Juneteenth. 
19th, June the 19th, we should all have some sort of celebration for what was done. We should all have some sort of celebration, just like it's the 4th of July, you know, because this is our heritage. This is where we come from. This is the things that we had to endure. I don't say live it out, live it out every day. I do not believe that another man, to a certain extent, you know, you could go into a bank. A banker can decide that he doesn't want to give you a loan based on whatever he wants to do because he's behind that desk and he got that pen in his hand. But what I am saying is that we as individuals, we can feed our, you know, history to our children so they know how to carry themselves. They know how to deal with things. They know what it took someone else to go through to get you to where you are. The freedom that you walk in right now, people years ago had so much to deal with. My mother had something to deal with because I'm looking at, okay, this is the 60s and the 70s. That wasn't that long ago. No. It wasn't that long ago when they're talking about when I've read up on different things that happened with racism and all this stuff. The 60s, that was not so long ago. You know, that was a thousands of years ago. That was 50 years ago, you know? So we have to be mindful. And I just want to say to everybody, happy Juneteenth. And it's going to stick in my mind now. Yes. Um, you know, the things that those before me, our forefathers, our, you know, those that were before us had to go through and had to deal with in order for us to get here. Is there anything else you want to say, Diane, before we close out? Well, I just want to tell everybody the same. Happy June uh, the 10th. And that I feel like now more than ever, we should remember this, remember the words, the word from God that goes along with it because some of the things we are seeing now yeah. and you know, with the, the killing and, and different stuff, it, it kind of touches back then. We may not see the hanging yeah. or the slavery, but there are some things going on this day and time that surely will remind you of what went on then. Yeah, yeah. And we just want to be, you know, reminded that you are great. There's nothing yeah. about you that is any different from anyone else. You are, God created you special, unique in your own way. And he has great things for each and every one of us. There's no need for us to feel down about ourselves. There's no need for us to feel like we're less than anyone else. We are equal, no matter yes. what anyone yes. says. We are equal and there's nothing minimal about us. Nowhere, no how. All right, so we're going to close out. We're going to say a prayer. We're going to call on you today, Minister Diane, to take us out, okay? Amen. Let us all prepare to come to the throne of grace. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you, Father God, for being in the midst. We want to thank you, Father God, for even being back there then, Lord, in the holy yes. name of Jesus. Father God, as we travel up in time, Father, even though there are some things going on this day and time that may take our memory back to them, but God, we know you are a God that will protect us, a God yes. that will love your people, and yes. we ask that anyone, Father God, that now that's feeling 
a little of what went on back then. Father, we ask that you go into their minds, Father God. Touch their hearts, Father. Give them a sense of peace, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for being who you are in our life. We thank you, God, for freedom in the holy yes. name of Jesus. Yes, Father Lord. God, we give you glory, honor, and praise today. We ask, Father God, that you go into each and every home, Father God, that you do what is needed, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to pray for the sick today, Father God, that you lay your hands upon them, Father. Set your angels around them today, Father, in the holy name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for this podcast. We thank you, Lord, how you come in each and every Saturday, Father God, how you just sit with us, Father, in the holy name of Jesus. Father God, we do give you glory, honor, and praise. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 And amen. Amen. So amen. everyone, we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful weekend and a wonderful week to come. We speak blessings over you all day and all night, watching yes. over and keeping you. So just have a wonderful, restful period this weekend, okay? Until yes. we see you all again, you be blessed. Amen. Amen.